Perfect. I heard your claps. That's awesome. Well, we are synced at this point, um, so we can start at any point. I'm going to jump right into it. Welcome to our podcast. My name is Jacob Hawley. I'm here with Eric Burgers and Nate Lead. Um, we are starting this podcast basically to just talk about uh, ministry and kingdom stuff. Um, and I'm already getting sweaty thinking about talking into a microphone right now. Um, <laughs> the name of our podcast is going to be the Triclinium Podcast, which uh, I am looking forward to mispronouncing all the time. Um, the story behind the Triclinium Podcast, I will let Nate fill you in on. Yeah, so we are three friends uh, that met in our undergrad university uh, and we had a class together where we had to present uh, theology and ministry. We had to present basically a, an order of service and I stood up and gave a little five minute talk on how the table of the Last Supper is a triclinium, which is a three-sided table traditionally used in Roman dinners. And uh, that's mm -hmm. just kind of where it was born. Yeah, and and it was it was an animated, uh, it was an animated talk that he gave. We were we were all riveted by it. Uh, his enthusiasm was contagious. Uh, I'm gonna be honest. I don't remember so, that. Like I I think I <laughs> I think I blacked out a little, just from uh, the nerves. Oh my god! Like I, I don't Dude, remember so being true. any different. <laughs> the Holy Spirit I... was definitely upon you, Nate. <laughs> we can hope. Right. I, I've told you, or I, I don't know if I've told you guys this before, but um, I've told other people. Uh, I've gotten to the privilege of preaching in front of my home church, uh, a couple of times before, and there are times where I'm so nervous to get up and speak, that I, it's like I get up. And of course, I'm going off my manuscript, and a lot of the times I'm I'm going pulling a lot off of my memory, but I get back from preaching, like I step off the stage, and I can't remember anything. Like it's like that whole time I was in a complete trance. It's, um, it is bizarre, <laughs> super strange. Do you guys ever experience that? Yeah, I still to this day public speaking is still a, a difficult one. Um, yeah, that's why I'm not sure for me in particular, we'll see what comes down the road, whether or not I do uh, a preaching ministry, but I've always seen myself more in a supporting role because I'm just not sure that that's my strength, but uh, I, I suppose we'll see where the Lord leads when that day comes. Eric, one day I want you to get up there with a towel, you know, like a good Pentecostal preacher from the South, <laughs> you know, dabbing, dabbing the sweat from your head. You know, growling into the into the microphone. I mean, I want it all. Uh, I want it all. I'm sure that would be well accepted somewhere. There does seem to be, <laughs> in the Bible Belt, a, a wide variety of opinion. Yeah. That you got to have a three piece suit as well, and just sweating <laughs> through it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Somehow sweating through an entire suit. <laughs> hey, Drenched in yeah. sweat. In the drinking three or four water bottles while you're up there. Yeah, I mean, um, there's people out here. They're they're dressed to the nines, man. They're ready to go, and I, you know what? Wow. I'm not I'm not stopping them. I I think it's great. So actually, that's a that's a good place to start, which is like, where are we? Like, we're we're talking right now on a conference call, which I giggle even thinking about that because <laughs> uh, we have such technologies as Zoom and FaceTime and all these wonderful technologies, yet we resorted to something from the early two thousands. Um, so we're on this conference call, um, but we are not in the same state. We are all over the place. Um, so Eric, where are you positioned right now? So at the moment, uh, my wife and I are living in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, obviously. God we, bless you. Yes. Yes. It's, it's <laughs> God's country out here. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, but, boy. No. Uh, but anyways, I grew up my entire life I'm, I'm 23 I lived in Oregon for 22 out of my 23 years now and uh, decided that seminary was 
uh, a part of God's calling for me, and so we made the move out to Louisville so I can attend the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary at the moment. So uh, we've been stationed here for about a year, um, and we're, you know, experiencing all types of nuances and things in life, and it's been great so far. The Lord has been good to us. Yeah, yeah, I, and if you've never been to Oregon and you live in the in the Bible Belt, um, it's basically the exact same as you, a place you would discover in the Bible Belt. The South and Oregon are exactly the same. There's no difference. Yeah, no difference whatsoever. You know, culture, <laughs> culture, personality, for, everything's the same. <laughs> easy transition, right? Skinny jeans, ripped skinny jeans. Um, Botanicals, yeah, basically the same thing. No, of course, um, that would be something interesting to talk about someday. Um, just cultural context of doing ministry, because um, obviously yeah. you're um, you're joking because it's actually the exact opposite. People are are yes. very much different um, from the two areas, and so uh, it creates an interesting dynamic in how you approach people and speak with people, but. That, that'll be for another yeah. time. Eric, do they ever sense that you're not from around there? Like, I don't know. I I don't know how thick the accents are in the place that you're stationed right now, um, you're located. Um, I'll, do they ever, like... Yeah, I'll say this. Um, you gotta... You gotta remember, Louisville is perhaps... Um, the biggest city out of all of Kentucky so it's still very much city-like culture um, mm. reminiscent of, of Portland obviously not the same but um, mm. most of most of the people that come here there's there's plenty of people in Louisville who aren't actually from Louisville so it's actually surprisingly quite the melding pot when you get here so um, even mm. Kentucky itself many people don't even consider it to be the south so uh oh, wow. you kind of have this odd mix between yes there are many southern folks uh particularly the southern accents i think you're mentioning but um Kern colonel sanders yeah there's being one of them hey you know his grave site's out here and there's literally i'm pretty sure a yellow brick road leading to it so <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> but uh uh that's, that, that's just a rumor was. i heard but anyways, besides the point, um, yeah, there's there's a whole bunch of different people that are here, so um, it's kind of an interesting dynamic because you get a number of different perspectives. I don't like how uh, complex your answer was. I, I wish it was more simple and. Um, Me too, so man. It's confusing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Nate, where are you at? So right now, I am coming to you from Dallas, Texas. So like Eric, I was in Oregon for 22 out of my 24 years and made the big move two years ago, right after my wife and I got married, uh, moved to Dallas to pursue a master's of education and ultimately God thankfully closed that door because it was not it. It was not the thing that uh, God had for me down here and so thankful that he closed that door uh, because it led to two yeah. fruitful years of ministry uh, within a church that Lauren and I were lucky enough to call our home church uh, before I started working there. Mm -hmm. uh, it was very educational. It was a very, it, it was a great environment to learn and to grow and to work in a church. Uh, I am using the past tense because I recently transitioned off staff at that church uh, because I think that God is showing me that there's more than one way to be a faithful pastor and uh, hmm. it was just time to uh, make a change and one thing that my wife and I that was really driving the decision was that my wife and I wanted to spend our weekends together which while I was on staff at a church we didn't have weekends so that made the decision easier when we took a look at each other and we're like I feel like we don't see each other very much we're like wow that's that's yeah. hard so you know ultimately we took that to the Lord in prayer and uh, came back and ultimately decided that it was best to move on and start looking somewhere else. So I've recently started a new job working in an office, working on Monday through Friday and I've been loving it. So 
Yeah, but we're all spread out. Yeah. And uh, Jacob, you're you're back in Oregon, right? I am. I am. I have lived in Oregon all of my 24 years, and I have day. not moved from Oregon. Uh, and I, if it were up to me, I would probably stay here the rest of my life. Um, I am quite the homebody. I've never really been all that interested in travel, um, which is funny. Like, I, I almost find travel stressful rather than anything, you know, like, exciting to look forward to. Um, I'm just, I don't know, I, I'm content with what I have here. And maybe it's partly because I feel like I can, like, I don't know, people and places are endlessly interesting to me. And so when I feel like I know a place, it doesn't become boring to me. It definitely kind of keeps its uh, charm. Uh, and I feel like I keep getting to know it more and more. So, you know, I've been in the same church for the past, what, 12, 13 years. Um, I've, uh, I have I went to the same school from fourth grade to 12th grade. So I kind of have this theme in my life of sticking with what I'm doing and uh, digging down deep roots um, because I'm afraid of change. So anyway, um, there's that. Yeah, I'm, I'm currently... Uh, pastoring at the church that I grew up in, which is a huge privilege as a youth pastor. Um, and uh, I just love working with young people. I feel like, um, you know, I've, I've become really sensitive to the idea that um, that only those who look like little children will enter the kingdom. Um, those are Christ's words, and, and I, man, I, I feel like the the longer I think about that, the more important youth ministry and kids ministry um, becomes to me. I, I feel more and more drawn to it um, as a calling or as a vocation. Um, and man, I just love being a goofball with kids. Um, it's one of the only places where I get to be just absolutely weird and crazy. And um, I can, you know, my, my sense of humor isn't, uh, isn't obnoxious. <laughs> so, so you fit right in. <laughs> yeah, I'm loving it. I fit right in. I, I often tell them that I am a youth, and that's why it works well for me to be the youth pastor, um, because I am one of them. But for those of you that don't know Jacob, Jacob is actually like an 80-year-old man. Like, he is he's yes, very, very old spirit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I... Um, no, literally speaking. I, I'm on, I'm on uh, heart medication, <laughs> as I speak, because uh, I just... <laughs> no. Uh, no, I'm... Um, yeah, I, I like some older things, um, but yeah, I definitely am goofy like a four-year-old a lot of the time, so. So yeah, um, so welcome to our podcast. Um, I, uh, I was texting with the boys on our group chat, which is, um, the, the name of the group chat is Gary Busey, um, and explain, we will explain that another time, um, but we were talking about what we might want the first episode of this podcast to be um, talking about, what, what we would like to converse about um, and shoot the breeze about. And um, man, something that's been on my mind a lot recently is um, prayer. And um, I think it's been prayer because when I was growing up, um, prayer had so many different ideas attached to it so many different descriptions and so many different motivations like why people would pray and what they would feel comfortable praying for and what they would expect out of prayer and the fact that all of these people had all these different ideas and sometimes they would hold these things in in tandem that were like borderline contradictory um, things that they maybe motivations or expectations in prayer that seem to like contradict each other um, and so I've just been thinking man probably for the past um, year or so pretty heavily about prayer and um, I, I just wanted to open up that topic of discussion I want to hear what you guys think about prayer so let's let's start I'll narrow it down so it's not just like what do you think about prayer because like that's so <laughs> that's too wide too wide um let's start with um like what do you guys think prayer actually does like what is the function or what is the mechanism of prayer what is what is happening 
when we pray? I, I guess I can go first um, really quick. Um, you didn't raise your hand first, so I just would like you to. Yeah, well, you can't raise you, your hand. You can't see me either, so I'm not <laughs> sure. Yeah, I don't know if I told you guys, but we're on a conference call. You know, the thing about Eric and I is that we're both uh, a, a little timid, maybe a little shy. So when the question is posed to either of us, we both look at each other and we're like, I don't know, you go first. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll call on one of you if you need to. So. Um, no, I, I can I can go first. That's fine. Um, so, yeah, I, I've I've been thinking about prayer a little bit, or I've I've been trying to, despite my my busy schedule um, recently. In, in light of you mentioning you wanted to speak about it on the podcast, um, just to give a quick, I'll I'll just be brief here so that I can hear what Nate thinks as well, and then we can further our discussion. But I kind of see prayer as being um, the means by which God accomplishes his sovereign will in actuality mm. in the world. Okay. So there's... Spoken like a true Southern Baptist. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, <laughs> Reformed Baptist at that. No, but... <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, anyways. Um, so the reason I, I kind of put it that way is because it when you mentioned you wanted to speak about prayer, um, I kind of thought of a common stereotype that I feel many people have heard, but also something that was told to me probably when I was much younger uh, in youth ministry, um, is the idea that prayer is a two-way street. And Hmm. obviously I I take great issue with that today. Um, it, It feels foreign to scripture when you approach scripture the idea of it being a a two-way street um when you really boil it down to what that means but um i i'll leave it there for now and hopefully we can further discuss that in a minute here but um to sum it up i i think that prayer is just the means by which god will accomplish his good and his perfect will um in the world with his people I'm interested, I want to cut in here quick before um, we get to Nate. I'm interested, can you elaborate a little more on just what you mean by two-way street? Because I think that's probably something that a lot of people, I think I know what you're talking about, Mm -hmm. and I think it's probably something a lot of people have, uh, let's say, ingested over the years. Sure. Yeah, all that I mean uh, by two-way street is it's kind of this idea that if God... um, if God is truly hearing me when I pray, um, then almost like the idea that I pray and because I'm praying, God is going to do what I ask for, no ifs, ands, or buts. Mm. So Mm. um, because I am praying to God, there has to be some sort of return to me um, as I'm praying. And... um, Okay. So... It, you know, there's prayer literally going two ways. Prayers that, um, you know, kind of metaphorically speaking, prayers that go up to God, some sort of blessing comes down to me. Um, and this this kind of idea, the way I'm espousing it right now, is more popular, I think, with those kind of in the um, prosperity slash word of sure. faith movement at the moment. But mm-hmm. nevertheless, I do feel it's kind of eked its way into kind of uh, pop-level evangelicalism Christianity today, and I'm sure many people have heard it, um, kind of prayer kind of being told to them in that sort of way. Um, yeah, I can, I can leave mm-hmm. it there for now. Yeah, Eric, I, the, so, uh, uh, the word that comes to mind go ahead, uh, go ahead, for Nate. me is transactional in that um, the yeah. idea that that God exists to fulfill my need or that communication with God is uh, for me and for what I want and God is for me, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, the, the tragedy of, of, that, um, of that idea and it being transactional is that it completely flips, I think, 
the order of how prayer is supposed to be and putting all of its power within man and within oneself um you're basically um you know whether you're conscious of it or not if that's something that you're holding to is you're putting yourself in the seat that god owes me something and that because i'm praying to god um therefore uh whatever i'm asking for ought to come true because i know best right and in reality i i just see it as being the exact opposite i i see it as being um you know god has a will he has a design for how he wants his world to be ordered and for it to go and then we are praying for god's goodness and his good will to be enacted in our own lives and then because you know we're finite beings um you know we're going to experience god's will um in real time in our lives and so when we're praying um it's not commanding god to do something that we ought or we think is best for the world it's it's rather the complete opposite in in some sense at least that god is going to do good in our lives as he's promised in his word um and as we can certainly trust because of what he did in the work of his son hmm. yeah that's good that's good i have some thoughts but i'll, I'll wait here um nate i want to hear from you too um yeah what's uh what would you say is happening in the midst of prayer yeah you know that's uh we tried to narrow the question uh but prayer in and of itself it is broad uh, i think that it is specific and it has a definition but there are a lot of ways uh, that prayer is talked about in scripture that we see people pray and also uh getting back to what we talked about a few minutes ago you know this the idea of prayer you know uh, this is going to be a little bit rambling because i haven't uh i haven't put together my thoughts exactly but well that's why this is a podcast and not a book that, Same here. great point and you know i i do want to say that i'm glad that we're doing this because you know outside of actually like drawing an audience or whatever uh people do in a, a podcast for i'm just glad to have these conversations recorded because i feel like our conversations have always been deep and meaningful and that i have always walked away from conversations with you two uh just better off and and feeling like uh you know i don't know just like i have friends that that get me so i'm just glad to have these conversations yeah, recorded uh, more than anything you know wh whatever this turns into um it's kind of like yeah. it's just an audio journal so i'm bad at journaling mm -hmm. so this is an easy way to get all my thoughts down yeah i anticipate we'll peak at about four listeners yeah. and three of them will be right <laughs> well the, the, benefit, the other one will be one of our moms <laughs> the benefit to this style as well is that um it also it's relatable to people in the fact that we're you know we're just three guys having a conversation with one another and expressing our actual thoughts in real life about god and concerning his word so it's not robotic yeah. in, in the sense that you know we've devised our perfect theology but it's something wrong <laughs> in that you know even even what we're saying right now might be horrifically wrong when we see that in the future but it's a place where we can really enact iron sharpening iron with one another and hopefully if listeners pick up that's the same for them as well yeah yeah and like you know next episode we'll just be reading out of the the westminster catechism so you know. <laughs> just just straight from the pages let's, no commentary let's do it man <laughs> so nate go ahead yeah so man I, i'm not gonna have as sufficient of an answer as eric but you know i i do want to touch on just prayer had you know i i grew up in a christian home and so i always saw prayer through a christian lens but through various forms of media and books and uh looking at uh cultures around the world prayer has its place in all of the world's religions uh i can't think of one off the top of my head that doesn't have prayer as either a core aspect uh but for me my kind of background with prayer has been 
it has been, I'm going to try and define it. It has been an intentional posture that we take in order to communicate with God. Uh, now, that's not saying the only communication that we have with God is through prayer. But in my experience and kind of what I'm thinking right now is that praying for Christians especially is when we humble ourselves before the king, uh, when we take the posture of recognition of the king of the universe, the, the creator of us, uh, of our world, the, the higher power that is in our, in our world and in our life, we take the posture as lesser than him. And we, we, there are a couple things to do ultimately. Uh, we recognize him as above us. Uh, we communicate with him. We genuinely and honestly bring our celebrations and we bring our trials to him. Uh, and then we also humble ourselves and we say, Lord, I don't know, I don't know what's going to happen, but I will express my faith in you through whatever. Um, yeah. It, th there's a lot there. It, it's not an easy definition. And uh, if I could break it down better, I would. But that, that's been my experience with prayer, at least. And, and uh, yeah. Yeah. That's good, Nate. That's good. And I, I like... Did you say, did I catch you right when you said in the beginning that this is, it's a, it's a posture that we undertake to, to communicate with? Yeah. God? I, and I want to be clear that it's intentional. It, you know, it's a posture that we don't just take by accident. It's, it's something that we yeah. do on purpose. It's not something that just happens like, oh, I found myself in prayer the other day. You know, it's like, no, we, we put ourselves there intentionally and, and it might come to the point where prayer is built into our rhythm that it just becomes a natural function but it is still an intention that we do um, to specifically put ourselves to lower ourselves and humble ourselves before our king yeah that's really good Nate mm -hmm. that's really good I um, yeah. I, w uh, I am, I'm reminded in that description um, you know you used some, some bigger language but like I t when I'm teaching kids, and especially like when I was back when I was working in um, Sunday school, the the you know the the simple way of breaking down prayer for someone young is just that you're talking to God, right? You're communicating. It's the posture of communication with God. You're just talking with God, mm -hmm. um, and uh, and I think there's a, a deep simplicity and um, kind of an innocence to that. Um, I don't know. That's somewhat sentimental to me. Um, I, I was, um, I was talking with a friend, a good friend of mine, um, who I would say is, has been kind of walking me. I've been, I've been having a, as you both know, um, what I might call a, um, a Bardian restructuring of my faith, um, which means just a, I've, I've been taking seriously the theological claims of a guy named Karl Barth, um. And if you know me, uh, I talk about him way too much, and most of my posts on Facebook have to do with material about him. Uh, and so I'm sorry uh, ahead of time for how often I will bring that up. Um, but he answered in true Bardian fashion um, when I asked him, you know, what's, what's going on in prayer? What are we doing in prayer? Um, he said, we're becoming creatures before God. So, you know, part of what you were just saying, that, like, that submission, that that um, that kneeling, almost. I, I think that's a good that's a good um, postural term for what's going on in prayer. The the uh, place that we hold in prayer is of the creature. We recognize that we are not um, self sufficient mm -hmm. when we pray. We recognize that we have need. Um, that we aren't all that we could be, or even as simply as, e even if we have everything, um, we don't receive what we have from ourselves. Um, we, we receive from someone else. There's a, there's a source outside of us for all the things that we depend on to be who we are. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. So, yeah, I, I, I think there's... I really like that idea of, like, we are becoming creatures. Um, we are we are retaking up that mantle of, uh, of creatureliness, which we lost in the fall when we turned away from God and rejected him as our head. Um, we, we're, we're resubmitting, and by submitting, we are re-entering into the relationship that our being springs from, which is that, um, that relationship of, of creature and creator. So, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, it's a little different too. And, you know, I was thinking about spiritual disciplines and how prayer is a discipline. You know, it's a thing that you do. It's a thing that you practice. Yes. Um, but it's, it's, uh, uh, you know, and, and as I was speaking, I was like, you know, it's, it's how we posture ourselves before God. It's how we uh, are simultaneously pouring out our uh, hardships and our, and our good times. Uh and it, it's also how we fill ourselves with God. And that just made me think about scripture mm-hmm. reading and how, you know, we, we go to scripture in order to learn more about God. And we go to scripture in order to be reminded of God's truth and also to be reminded of God's power and promises. Uh, but it's also a little different, mm-hmm. you know, uh, as we look at the uh, and consider the Bible as a historical document, as a as a as a document and the book books that were written in specific times and places. Um, written not about us, you know. It 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 is a document yeah. that we approach in order to um, learn something and learn about uh, God and how He interacted with His people in a particular time and place. Uh, that still applies today. We still draw meaning um, from the text, uh, but prayer is is when we approach God on a personal level too. Uh, there there is a innate personal aspect to it uh and yet i I don't want to get lost in just the personal because this is what eric was talking about and that prayer is not just transactional and i think that a lot of different ideas around prayer or different uh ways of practicing prayer particularly the secular notion of prayer as well you're going to god to make requests or you know god kind of becomes this santa claus figure where you write your list out and you request it and if you're good enough you get it you know, it, right. so the, I, I want to touch on what Eric is talking about because, you know, prayer is deeply personal, but mm-hmm. we also empty ourselves as we are in prayer. So we, it, it, it's really interesting because it is kind of a paradox because it is deeply personal. And yet we empty ourselves before our Lord and then our Lord fills us with, with him and his spirit and with his promises and reminds us of him. And then also directs us to people around us, and I don't want to miss that that aspect of it, uh, because like Eric was saying, prayer is one of uh, is the way or one of the ways that God will. Um, what would you say, Eric? Exactly, He will accomplish His mission on Earth. Uh, yeah. And and Pretty a part much. of that, yeah, a part of that is that He directs uh, our eyes and our hearts. Uh, he breaks our hearts for those around us. That that's a phrase that I like to use. And when I ask people, um, you know, we we talk about purpose a lot uh, at our church. And you know, when when I would ask somebody, you know, try to get them to figure out where they wanted to serve or where they wanted to spend their time or you know what spiritual gifts they might have, I would ask, what does your heart break for? You know, or who does your heart break for? And uh, because oftentimes yeah. God will use that uh, as a kind of road sign to point you in the right direction so you know prayer is is simultaneously this very deeply personal thing but it's also a very uh emptying thing and it's a it's a uh, a practice that points us to those around us and and uh makes us recognize not only ourselves but but the people around us yeah 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 um I want to, this is great, I think both of those, it seems like the two running concepts that we have at the moment is that it's, on the one hand, a humbling of oneself, and on the other hand, an exalting and acknowledgement of God and his authority over our lives and his uh, lordship over our lives. Um, I want to 
kind of puts some some meat on the bones of what we've been talking about so far and there's a scripture that came to mind um just while we were talking um i'll, I'll just read it now um then maybe yeah, where maybe, are you at uh, i'm i'm gonna read from john 15 um in particular verse seven verse seven that's right yeah I was lit. I had it drawn up in front of me. That's Perfect. hilarious. Yeah, I, I got one more too, but we can stick with this one for now. Um, yeah, no, that's so good. So let me, I like let me just read. Let me just read it for one moment. It says, "If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you." So, um, I don't think we're pulling this verse out of context when we're speaking of it here. Um, and kind of keeping that idea of like prayer, whether or not it's transactional, um, humbling oneself and exalting God. Um, Christ here um, clearly seems to be saying that, you know, um, prayer isn't a two-way street in the fact that if you are coming to God in a wrong manner where you're exalting yourself rather than him, um, you shouldn't be expecting that your prayer is going to come to fruition for you no matter how good you think that it is so there's mm. a heart position behind one's prayers and how we approach god um, that will inevitably mm. uh, manifest itself as you are interacting with your creator and it also kind of this is a different scripture than the next one i was going to think about but it made me think about when jesus was speaking with the pharisees um, about ceremonial cleanliness uh, with what goes in the mouth and comes out, you know? Mm. Um, mm. And so prayer, um, to tie it to prayer there, it kind of seems as though, you know, there is, a, there is a sense in which what is coming out of your mouth really is going to reflect your inner heart position um, and whether that be, you know, something that is defiling, like such as uh, selfish or self-centered prayer um, or it could be something good in the sense that you know John fifteen seven comes into sense and it's like if I'm truly humbling myself and coming before my creator um, and I'm seeking the betterment of my neighbor whoever that may be um, or just the general good of God's creation then if it is a part of God's will, it will be done for you. And that's both extremely comforting uh, for the reason that, you know, God truly will work in your life through your prayers. He truly does answer prayers, but also that he guards against evil and prayers that are coming uh, wrongly to him. He, he does right, uh, no matter the scenario. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I hear you, and I, I think that was um, a heavy aspect of my theology of prayer for a long time, is that, um, you know, it's James saying, um, you, you, you ask, but you do not receive, because you do not ask according to God's will, right? You ask in order to spend on your pleasures. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think you, like, it's all, the text almost begs us to tie the two of those together, because they're such similar um, sentiments um, that that the will of God or the word that remains in us is the the, the um, you could say is the connecting um, it's the it's oh, let's see it's the thing that establishes our prayers as um, as truly um, faithful um, but on the on the other hand I also think that um, at least in, in my experience, this is oftentimes uh, utilized in a way that is almost overly cautious about what we ought to be praying for. Mm. I don't know if you guys also um, hear this in your churches, but like I, I know that I've heard many times before, like, well, we'll pray for you to be healed, but like God might not will that, so ah, you know, I just keep that in mind or. Um, you know, like these kinds of like ways in which we almost safeguard ourselves from disappointment yeah. by by bringing up how you know God's will is mysterious, yeah. um, and maybe God won't answer the prayers, and and um, 
I've become, I wouldn't say, I've become very skeptical of that. I've, I've become pretty, um, <clears throat> like, almost allergic to that. It, it feels, it feels so, um, almost legalistic and, and stoic, right? It's like, well, prayer is basically just, like, offering our ideas of what might be nice, but in the end, God has a deterministic way that he's going to answer everything. So prayer, in and of itself, almost becomes an empty exercise. Like, I don't feel like I can concretely rest on my prayers when I have that notion. So how would you, I don't know, how would you address that, or how would you infuse something concrete into prayer so that um, when Jesus says things like, you know, um, when you when you ask for things in prayer, believe that you've received it and it will be yours. Like what? Yeah. Um, what what grounds our expectation? Yeah. Um, Nate, if you have something you you'd like to say in response to that, go go for it. Um, if not, I, I can respond. Yeah. No. Go for it. I I don't have anything off the top of my head. <laughs> um. Yeah. I mean. I think I think there's somewhat of a duality going on. That that is a great point because um, if I'm if I'm hearing you right, basically we're asking, can we fully trust that God will answer my prayer when I do it, and can I just put my entire hope in the fact that what I'm praying for will be answered, or yeah. do I keep some sort of uh, reservation as if it might not work out in a certain way? And yeah. I'm not sure that I have a, a straightforward answer at the moment, but here's what comes to mind is the fact that um, I think there is space to be able to trust that, you know, what I'm praying for is truly going to be accomplished um, because I'm coming in the right, um, I'm coming in the right posture towards God and I'm truly, uh, trying to submit my prayers um, to his word and to uh, his goodness and, and seek out uh, it being in alignment with um, what he's established in his word. Um, I don't know. I'd be curious to hear your thoughts, but I wonder if it's that clear cut all the time, you know, because sometimes it, I could see it as being difficult whether or not to discern if, what I'm praying for, what I'm asking for, is truly something that is uh, in accordance with God's word. So I guess, you know, an example of that would be, um, you know, I guess I can give it somewhat of a personal example, um, but it, it doesn't directly, I don't think, relate. But let's say I have a job at the moment, right? Um, I really love the work that I do. Um, I think God has had me in this job, um, but a new job comes around where the pay for it is significantly greater, and you're attracted to this job, and you feel as though you should be taking this job. However, when I'm praying, mm -hmm. am I really in accordance with God's will in that sense that I ought to leave the job that I have now that I've felt secure in that I felt called to to go and do something that I might think I'm called to next and so mm. I guess I leave a little bit of gray area where you know that's probably more so why I say um, in accordance with God's will when we pray you know because I think mm -hmm. there is a sense in in that we are finite creatures and we don't know what's going to happen next and on top of that we're not always pure in our motives every time we come before God, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, right? So we are almost never <clears throat> pure in our motives. <laughs> exactly. Um, so yeah. I, I think it's both and, you know. Um, we can fully trust that God will answer our prayers, but at the same time, he doesn't answer all of our prayers, and there has to be some sort of contentment and acceptance of that because we ultimately know Romans 8, 28, He's going to work all things together for the good of those who love him. Mm. Yeah, you know, I'm... Nate, did you have something you want yeah, to say? Yeah. Um, yeah, of course, now I am losing my starting place. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. No, it's okay. It, Romans 8.28. This happens. Um, you know, I was just thinking about it, and I was like, 
man, what does ground our prayer? You know, where, where is our starting place for prayer? And, you know, scripture tells us, I, I think it's Paul that says, you know, make your requests. Like he, he just tells us to pray, mm-hmm. make yeah. your, make your requests to God. And, um, yeah, that's all, that's all over his epistles. Yeah. Right. So, so make your requests. And, and James, like we mentioned earlier, says you do not have because you do not ask, you know, like the, the, mm-hmm. uh, starting place is go to God, you know? So, so our default yeah. should be to go to God when we, uh, yeah, we, like that should be the thing that we fall back on is going to God. So, mm-hmm. you know, that, that's kind of step one ish, you know, in, in all things, pray, make your request to God. You do not have because you do not ask. So go to God and ask. And then step two, I guess, would be make your requests faithfully. And I think that most people have a good sense of when they're being faithful and when they're making requests out of, uh, when when they're making requests to God out, and and I say requests, but when they're praying to God out of selfish pursuit versus the pursuit of God or or the pursuit of others. um, I think most people generally have a sense, but but some people really don't. And some people, you know, I, I, I do believe that people's selfishness can override their, um, uh, their ability to see beyond themselves. It's just selfishness and, and narcissism. But I think that, uh, the, the other thing that I wanted to say too, is, you know, we have to be reminded about this, especially us. And, you know, I, I, I'm saying this confidently, but I've never lived in any other age than this. And so I'm only speaking from my perspective of right here, right now, as, as a young man in the 21st century. Um, yeah, but we are not owed anything in this life. You know, the, the default of this world is pain and suffering and sin. And yet God has still chosen to redeem this world. He has still chosen to pursue us, uh, in love and kindness and to the point of his son, Jesus's death on the cross. He's still chosen this world. And so I think that when we make our request to God, we have to, we, we can believe fully that he has the ability, he has the power to answer our prayers, uh, whatever they may be, but also to be of the posture of we are owed nothing. Yeah. Yeah. I I will say I... um. I think that's good. I, I like how both of you are um, have honed in on the concreteness of God's will, specifically that being uh, the glorification of his son and the, um, the love of the neighbor. Like, I think um, any prayer that somehow forgets um, those two ends um, beca- becomes something other than Christian prayer. Uh now that that all being said, when you say um, we're not owed anything, I can stand firmly in that I, in and of myself, am owed nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I am owed something because of the promise, um, right. and I think, uh, and 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 because of the the good character of God, um, and so I think. Christian prayer also, uh, this is a quote from Calvin, um, that when we pray, we pray with Christ's mouth. Um, when we pray, we're praying with a, with a voice or with a, with a, um, uh, a pleading that <clears throat> isn't our natural pleading. It's a, it's a really, it's, it's entering into the Trinitarian, um, the, the Trinitarian relationship. It's entering into the privilege and the favor that Christ enjoys um, with the Father. And so, like, I, I think to, to say we aren't owed anything or that we shouldn't expect, um, if we're not careful, can denigrate uh, our place in the body and um, in the, in the, uh, as the bride of Christ, um, as the brother of Christ, as an adopted child um, in the family of God. Um, and so, like, recently, I've found myself, when I'm not receiving what I've been praying for, um, I've found myself saying, like, listen, God, I, I know that 
I'm a sinner, first and foremost, and that I am owed nothing, right? In and of myself, I have no stake or claim. Um, but because of Jesus, I do. I, like, if, if it is true that I am in your son, if his word does abide in me and I do abide in him, which um, at least I do believe I'm abiding in him, um, and I, I think um, be, entirely out of weakness, right? Like, in, in, in total knowledge that apart from him, I, I can do nothing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but if I am abiding in him, then I can expect, and I, I think, um, so, like, the, 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 the parable of the widow knocking at the door, which is prefaced, prefaced by Jesus, or by, at least by Luke, saying this is a parable that, that Jesus told the disciples that they may not lose hope or lose, uh, lose their endurance in their prayers, that they may not give up in praying. Um, so, like, I really, I think if I'm gonna pray, and I, this has become really important to me recently, if I'm going to pray for things, if I'm going, and, and more than that, if I'm going to sacrifice um, my own possessions or it, my own way in in favor of trusting God to provide for me, when I pray, I need to believe. Mm-hmm. I need to expect that God will answer me mm-hmm. or else, like, I won't make this, I won't make the leap. I won't make the jump. Um, if I don't feel like God's got my back, then I don't feel like I can be free to, to love my neighbor in the fullness um, that he's called me to. And so, you know, I think, um, I think we, we as uh, evangelicals, particularly, need to be, like, oh, we almost need to reassess or reanalyze or we need to maybe even just reconsider um, the, the place of confidence in prayer. I know that we have had abuses of that. Uh, I'm, I'm no, um, you know, I, 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 I can't naive. talk about prayer without uh, name it and claim it coming up somewhere in the conversation. Sure. <laughs> um, but I do think that just because there was an abuse doesn't mean that we ought to abandon the notion of confidence and, and not just partial confidence or um, de- detached confidence, but a full and um, almost, um, you know, white knuckling confidence yeah. um, in the in the in the giving of God, the providence of God. Yeah, I want to yeah. say two things in response to that, real quick. Um, Go ahead. Yeah, i I think I think that gets at the heart of the the scripture that we've just been talking about in John fifteen as well. You know, um, Christ clearly says. Um, well, to start with, if you abide in me, so I think that mm-hmm. um, gets at the heart of, you know, if we are truly seeking after God, therefore, skip over a little bit, it will be done for you. So the, mm-hmm. the beauty of that as well is, um, if we are truly seeking after God, whether um, our prayers go the way we expect or not, um, God has his best interest in it for you and that we can truly stand upon him in his goodness and his ordering of how mm-hmm. things will ultimately come to pass and so christians um just have an immense joy and gladness or i think we ought to in the fact that when we pray um if we are truly seeking after God, He will He will have His best interest for you, as I've been saying. So I, I just think that's something mm-hmm. beautiful and worthwhile to mention. Yeah, it's incredibly important. Yeah, Jacob, I want to say quickly, just thank you for bringing that up and reminding me of that because I think that my previous comment uh, was definitely may- maybe a little extreme in thought. Um, because you know, I and I don't think so though, what, Nate. I I just, I just think the terminology of like owing um, probably isn't the best way to express it. Um, right, and I, and I will that's say part of what you're saying. It's definitely bold language. Yeah, yeah and, and I will say that I was coming at that thought um, with uh, Philip Yancey's book 
what's it called? The Problem of Evil, I believe, in mind. Oh, yeah. We read that together. Yeah, it, it's this idea that, uh, you know, why is there evil in the world? It's one of the, the age-old questions of if there is a good God, then why is there evil in this world? And what Philip Yancey talks about in that book is, well, we're not owed uh, an unevil world or a strictly good world. Like, the, there's nothing that, uh, you know, God doesn't promise us a good world right now. You know, that that's not something that we are owed, in, in a sense. So I, I think that, you know, me yeah. saying we're not owed anything is, is coming at this kind of deeper idea of, and, and particularly in prayer, when we think about, making requests and uh, that aspect yeah. of prayer, yeah. we're, we're not owed in particularly anything like that. But in terms of our greater faith, um, uh, and owed isn't the right language, as, as we've mentioned, but, but knowing that our hope rests in Christ and that um, like if we don't have hope in God's promises, then you know what is our faith for? Um, and, and Jacob, yeah. I just want to thank you for reminding me of that because I, uh, I did want to clarify that point. No, that's good. That's really good. I, 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 um, I think, yeah, the, the, the important point that you were trying to make that I'm getting from you is that as humans, um, and as humans especially that live after Adam um, and in Adam's reign, um, we will experience suffering. And to think that we will somehow, we could somehow through prayer, um, usher in in this age some form of utopia is is uh, is a, a pipe dream. Right? Yeah, definitely. Um, well, and you know, maybe and, and, and maybe this is something important to our current culture. Yes. Yes. You know, maybe this is something we yes. talk about later, and the you know, if we continue this conversation on prayer, and and just the different ways that it's talked about, and the different ideas around prayer in different religions. But, you know, that, that thought that you just said is the uh, Buddhist idea of nirvana, you know, the, that peace is mm-hmm. found through total separation. And one of the ways that they yeah. achieve that is through constant prayer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And complete detachment. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's interesting. A, which I, I think cannot be the, uh, at least in its outplaying, detachment is a form of attachment um it's it's hidden but it's a it's an in, it's a an attachment to the self um and that cannot be the ground of christian love yeah. so I see detachment is not the, well. yeah yeah cannot be the answer um i had a quick thought as we wrap up here that i would love your thoughts on so i was talking with my friends um about what prayer is the other night and I, I had come to the conclusion, this is where I'm kind of at right now, and you guys can tell me what you think, tell me if I'm off. Uh, my current stance is that as we pray as Christians, a couple of things ought to be kept in mind. First off, um, the cross is the shape of Christian prayer. So um, it, it jumped out to me the other day when I was reading in Matthew 6, um, that prayer is set alongside fasting and almsgiving, both of which are um, practices of of, uh, of giving up, um, mm-hmm. uh, of self-emptying, right? So prayer, uh, there's kind of this um, crap notion, uh, and maybe that's a harsh term. Um, it's a very it's a very modern notion, I think, of prayer being something therapeutic, um, and I don't think that prayer is supposed to be therapeutic. Prayer isn't supposed to make you feel better. Uh, it may, by um, almost by coincidence of what it actually is, yeah. but um, but it's not meant to make you feel better. And if your prayers, if you won't pray unless you feel good, then um, you know that's. I don't think that's genuine Christian prayer. So that's one thing. The other is um, as far as like what we can rest on. Um, I, I believe that all prayers that are allowed to persist will be answered. Mm-hmm. Um, now, it, it often happens that people do not keep praying. Um, they, they, uh, they lose hope. They lose heart. 
they they cease expecting um or god changes their prayers i've had that happen to me this is really bizarre i've had prayers before where i've been praying the same thing for like a year straight and then all of a sudden and it felt almost alien where all of a sudden i like i was just like i don't need that anymore i i know and am grounded in a, a different desire now and it's not that and it was like it was bizarre um and so you know this kind of hints at that idea of sovereignty that that when we enter into the realm of prayer we are entering into god's territory uh if you know you might say more than than um regular though all places are god's territory there's there's a real explicit nature of prayer being god's territory um and so if that's if that's the case then god can get in there and change you (laughs) he might change your prayer um uh but i do think that if a prayer is allowed to persist we can expect that it will be answered um but the the last little thing and this is this is a result of my conversation and this is what i kind of brought out of the conversation i had with my friends is that all things in the end will be given to us in christ that all answer all prayers that we pray here and now will have their answers in christ at least at the very root of what it is that we desire mm-hmm. all tears will be wiped away yeah. all things um all, all desires will be satisfied in the coming of christ and so when we think about what prayer is um there's a there's a notion that um that the the answer is already um that that we have received it right mm-hmm. um in in christ and that uh apocalyptically like through through um revelation um through revealing it to us christ will kind of open our eyes in the age to come or i'm sorry in the in this current age about the bliss in the age to come that that answers to prayer are almost a first fruits of what is to come They're, they guide our attention to the providing and good father that that will um rectify and reconcile all things yeah. so um anyhow that's that's kind of some closing thoughts would you guys anything there that you guys think's interesting or wrong or whatever no um I just want to highlight one thing that you say, and I think that's kind of the underlying running theme of our whole conversation is um, you mentioned there really briefly uh, prayer and its relation to desire. Um, Mm. And, you know, I think just the biblical development of desire as well and how that culminates in the coming of Christ and his changing fundamentally of human desire and then how it will further, um, you know, as Revelation plays out in human history, will will come to a purification totally of desire, um, mm. is crucial um, to the idea of prayer. And it was in the I think that's the fundamental underlying uh, concept in John fifteen, like we were talking about, and, and just in the conversation in general is what I think the question we ought to be asking ourselves, you know, as we come before the footstool of Christ and of God is what is my fundamental desire in what I'm asking here and what I'm mm. praying about. Um, and, you know, as mm. just to, I'm, I know I'm beating a dead horse a little bit, but as John 15 talks about, you know, if that desire is pure in its motive, it might not be totally pure because we're still sinful human beings, but, um, if mm-hmm. it if that desire is in good faith, um, it will be done, and Christians can can count on that. We can count on God for that. Yeah, that's good. And and Eric, didn't you say that recently for your seminary classes you had to read something about George Mueller? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, so I feel like man, this is a this is a perfect time to mention anything you've gleaned from learning learning about him yeah maybe um maybe we can save that for uh, maybe we should continue our conversation on prayer in a in another podcast and that's fair we're at an hour five yeah um it's getting a little late here so um I'll, i'll just make this suggestion for you guys um perhaps we can speak on prayer from like a more 
worldly perspective, like globally is what I mean by that, where we can speak about how uh, the confidence that Christians have in prayer and perhaps George Mueller is a great example of that. And then kind of, uh, I, I loved the thought of talking about, you know, prayer from a Buddhist or a, uh, Islamic or some other perspective as, as well. And then maybe grounding that a bit in what scripture has to say about the two contrasts that, that could be a good idea. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, we see prayer all around the world. So what makes Christian prayer different? That would be a good yeah. prompt for a podcast. Yeah. That's a, that's yeah. A good, yeah. That's good. That's a good uh, cap on that. Yeah. That's good. All right. Nate, any last thoughts? No, I just want to, uh, I, I think you're right on, uh, Ultimately, I think that when we come to the Lord in prayer, if we have ourselves in mind as the first thing that we have in mind, it is disordered. Um, I think that when we approach the king in prayer, we have God on our mind. We have our fellow man, our neighbor in mind, uh, and then we have ourselves in mind. Um, it, it requires a reordering of the... Uh, of the way that the world wants us to order um, those three things. The world yeah. wants us to, e even our our innate desires for food, water, shelter, you know, these things that are just so, like, look out for yourself. E like, even down to our fight-or-flight response is protect yourself. Everything in us is fighting for ourself. And so when we approach the king in prayer, we are ultimately denying ourselves and instead saying uh, lord your will be done not mine yeah 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 no that's really good that's really good it's um it's ultimately the 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 surrender is, is a, yeah. an important part that's a great word for prayer. it yes um, and that sounds a lot like augustine's ordering of the loves which we could talk about another time as well um I'm excited for this. You know, we, we could talk about this for hours, and then we could talk about the next subject for hours. This is going to be fun. <laughs> yeah. And we will. <laughs> I, I, I definitely felt like as we were hitting, like, 45, 50 minutes, I was like, no, no, but I wanna, we want to talk more. Yeah, like, there's yeah. so much more to explore here. So this is good. Um, well, thanks so much for tuning into the Triclinium podcast. See, I... I I'm going to stumble over my words every time I try to say that. Um, the the three-sided table where we talk theology, ministry, and kingdom stuff. Um, uh, we hope you have a good rest of your day and may Christ be exalted.